But yeah, we got uh, we got an episode we got to do, so we might as well just fucking do it. Should we do four minute timer? No, we're just gonna talk. This is an experiment, Kai. It's an ongoing experiment. It's a living, breathing, evolving thing. How about if we get through two albums and it's been an hour and a half, then we start the timer. I will start the egg timer. If we get deep in the weeds real quick, we'll we'll get the timer out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. What is it? The show that talks about stuff on purpose. It's Trapo. That's right. And this is a very special episode of Trapo. By the way, I'm Dustin. I'm Kai. A very special episode of Trapo because this is the episode. This is an experiment by the way. It's a fun thing we're going to do for your listening enjoyment, friends. We just decided, you people have been requesting a lot of music. Pumping us full of good requested music here we decided to make a decision and that decision was we're gonna just listen to a bunch of the music you requested along with some music we suggested to each other we wanted to share this music with you this is going to be a mixture of music you have suggested to us and music that we have suggested to each other and this episode we're calling the good greater garbage new New music Music extravaganza Rapid, rapid fire, fire edition. edition yeah you say that <laughs> yeah i didn't hear no bell cut the reason we we're gonna call it a rapid fire edition is because we don't have one or two albums today folks we have 19 albums that we are going to talk about this evening 19 that's a bad number kai that's that's a lot but here's the thing kai we're gonna get through all 19 of them before this conversation's over that's a goddamn promise we're going to get through it together dear listeners take this ride with us please there's some amazing music i would say so and some not so amazing music i don't want to say it's shit (laughs) we'd say garbage right i'll I'll say shit adjacent we're gonna present the album tell you how we felt about it tell you if we think it's good great or garbage we do the whole trapple canon thing too but that's only for things that both get greats from us both right right but if i think it's great i'll nominate it if you think it's good or garbage you can say no great is a nomination indeed the exciting part dear listeners the really exciting part for you if you've listened to prior episodes of the show you may know that we've disagreed on whether or not we think some of this music deserves to be in the canon in the past you dear listeners have cast the deciding vote it's safe to say we're going to disagree on some of these albums and you dear listeners spoiler alert are going to be the deciding vote in the coming weeks without any further ado we're going to get started with a pretty recent release from an outfit called Junatine, which is actually just the name that Heather Summerhauser is using to release her music. It's called Remember the Magic. Found a blank cassette tape. I need to be wide anticipation as I wait for DJ's Remember like. the magic or remember the night? It's remember the magic. Juna time was actually requested to us from uh, returning friend Joyful Noise. Recently came out June 2022. Juna time is basically Heather Summerhauser with her co-conspirator Chris Schlarb who produced, engineered, and mixed the album. Heather Summerhauser met producer Chris Schlarb 
as a session musician. He loved her talent, and he was basically begging her to make her own album because he wanted to produce it. After about a year, she caved. She started working on what became Remember the Magic. We can talk about the music now, Kai. Let's talk about the music. Let's talk about it. So talk about it. The music sounds genuinely 80s. I don't know anything about production, but it sounds very kind of authentically 80s. The lyrical content has a modern bent to it. It's not mired in the decade. It's 21st century. It's very empowering. When you're crazy, and this is something that she's mentioned actually in interviews, it's actually a song about her own personal mental health struggles. She deliberately made the song itself fun and upbeat because she wanted to offset the heavy subject matter. She wanted to make something that felt good. And she sees the song basically as kind of exercising her own personal demons. That's a good way to do it. Yeah write it out in a song. Heather Summerhauser in the title track is trying to capture a specific nostalgic memory and this is something I think both of us have done. Calling local radio stations to request music and then waiting by the radio to hear the songs you've requested with a cassette in your stereo to record the music. That's a specific thing that she tried to capture with the title track. To remember the magic. That's very endearing to me. That's all man. An ode to the 80s. The sound not the necessarily the feel they're not a nostalgia act there's craft and passion when we say it sounds authentically 80s that doesn't mean it i don't know it's kind of hard to explain because it sounds new and fresh and different but instead of saying it sounds like 80s music using tools from the 80s to make music now would probably be a better way to say it yeah big emotions is sexy it kind of struts kind of bluesy solo in there it's right at the end That transition kind of startled me. I was like, whoa, shit. And it's like maybe what, like the last minute of the song? Yeah, right at the end. I definitely enjoyed this album. 19 months. This is going to be a deep cut for some people. I don't know if anyone else but me would actually want to make this connection. But it feels kind of like a looser, poppier take on Blade Runner Blues from Vangelis. It feels a lot like Blade Runner Blues to me. I don't know. It could just be like that heavy synth, but it's got a gorgeous melody that just gets into my brain. If I had access to a time machine, I would take Heather Summerhauser back to 1986, have Jim Steinman produce her next album. I think it would be amazing. The magic they could make together, Kai. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, that's June of Time's Remember the Magic. That was that was a reasonable time. So I guess the question is, Kai, good, great, or garbage? Why don't, why don't you go first? You tell me. I was grooving basically to this whole album. I had a good time listening to it. But if I'm being completely honest, if I'm following my heart, it's very close. Remember the Magic flirts with greatness, I think. And I would gladly listen to it again. But overall, I think my final judgment is good. Very good, yeah. but good. I asked you to go first because I'm kind of on the fence. It has moments of greatness. A couple of them I'd probably skip. That was one of our other 
criteria we talked about in order for it to just be top notch in the canon when you go back and re-listen to it do you listen to the whole album mm-hmm. or do you skip a couple songs because if you skip a couple songs then maybe the whole album isn't great maybe there's some great songs and i think that's the situation with this it definitely flirts with fantastic greatness but uh i, I would say it's a fucking really good album i'm a big fan and whatever heather summerhauser does next uh, i'm in to say good is reductive for this album it's good it's very good yeah it's her first album as a solo artist that's pretty damn good work remember the magic has not made it into the canon it doesn't matter it's very damn good and you should listen to it dear listener you should go out now go to Bandcamp. it's on amazon you can listen to it on amazon it's on apple it's on title go listen to it the next album we're gonna talk about horse girls versions of modern performance slipping away came out in June 2022 also. This album was requested to us by a friend of the podcast, I Buried Flanders. These girls are young, Kai. This How young? Gigi Reese and Nora Chang are college freshmen, and Penelope Lowenstein just graduated from high school. Apparently, there's a burgeoning indie rock scene in the Chicago area that is just dominated by teenagers. Well, if they're making albums like this, then they need to fucking keep that shit up. They literally practice their music in a fucking basement. They're a basement band. The album was produced by John Angelo. This guy's a veteran. He's worked with Sonic Youth. He's worked with Dinosaur Jr. So, I mean, you want some 90s alt bonafides? Here's the best part. Sonic Youth members Steve Shelley and Lee Ronaldo play in a few songs. They play on Billy and Beautiful. So you got some actual vintage indie rock scene clout behind versions of modern performance. Like, real shit. This is your first fucking album, and you've got Sonic Youth actually contributing to it. Good work. This is a pitch-perfect 90s throwback record it's insane it is definitely a weird alt masterpiece i don't know if i had that same time machine i went back to 96 i had a copy of this album on cd handed it to a guy at a radio station told him to play it on the air people would listen to it on the radio and they wouldn't bat an eyelash is this from the future it's some kind of grungy college band making music you know they wouldn't know the difference and that's a compliment by the way that's not an insult this is no this is for sure is real like uh with juna time it's a throwback in style but it's got enough newness that it's if you're like ugh, alt no thanks but i don't know maybe not maybe it would be exactly what you didn't want to listen to (laughs) i think that's the part where we really get to uh subjectivity because some people may listen to versions of modern performance and think oh this is just a nostalgia act and that's the funny thing it's a nostalgia act for them for an era that they never experienced They were born in the 21st century. They don't know the 90s. They weren't there. But they immersed themselves in the 90s alt-rock scene, and they fell in love with it, and they took that love and tried to make something new out of it. Now, this is their first album, and they're all teenagers, so I think we can give them a little slack okay we can grade them on a slight curve i think that's appropriate because the sheer talent on display in versions of modern performance there is anger there is bitterness there's so much happening in this ridiculous Mm. fucking music first song anti-glory just fucking groovy those disaffected vocals man that aggressive percussion There are elements of shoegaze here, man. There's there's, there's a bit. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) There's a little hints, a little taste here. It's catchy stuff. Yeah, one of the notes I wrote was every song kind of left me grooving at some point in the song. I was like, yeah. 
there's some shit going down here. Uh, some of the lyrics are incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. I like the intent, but yeah. I don't know what's going I, on. I like the feeling, but uh, I definitely could not tell you what the fuck this yeah. song was about. I heard lyrics in Dirtbag Transformation. Somebody said something about butter and a broker trading a nickel for a dime. I think. I yeah. think they said that. I'm pretty sure that broker trading a nickel for a dime. I seem to remember that. But the fall of Horse Girl, like, kicked me in the dick. <laughs> yeah. And the thing was, I was thinking of the title. What is the fall of Horse Girl? But listening to the song, that discord. <laughs> I think the song is the fall of Horse Girl. It just does something to me, man. There's so much character in this music. It may not be fully formed, but you can't hold that against them because they're literally just starting out. They're still trying to figure themselves out as a band. But this is a solid first step, I think. And uh, Billy. <laughs> I think Billy's my favorite. Out of Billy's that, my man. favorite. Billy says he's got a The overlapping vocals kind of reminded me, this is going to sound pretentious, it made me think of a Robert Altman movie. It kind of made me think of Soundgarden, because half of Soundgarden songs are Chris Cornell singing to himself. Right. That's studio trickery is what that is. Because no one else can hit those fucking notes like him. They can't hit two of them at the same goddamn time. He was talented, but not that talented. What Horse Girl's doing is appealing. It is so much cooler than 99% of mainstream music. Yeah versions of modern performance by horse girl i personally think horse girls uh versions of modern performance is a fucking great album i'm riding the fence kai can it be great i don't know i think it is right it begs the question kai great doesn't necessarily mean canon work now that is a true statement it may be almost a little unfair for some of these to canonize them or not because we haven't listened to them 20 times to know whether it's something that i would really want to take to the fucking desert island with me blast in my fucking cannon to share with the aliens in outer space yeah you know what horse girls get in the cannon we got one in the cannon we got a 50 yeah. percent average so far that will not hold Let's talk about Sarah Kinsley next. Okay. We just finished talking about Horse Girl's versions of modern performance, which is in the canon. And now we're going to talk about a one-two punch of EP's extended plays from a burgeoning artist in the New York City area named Sarah Kinsley. Now, Sarah Kinsley calls her work bedroom pop. Apparently, she actually recorded a lot of her music in her student dorm at Columbia University. Oh, that's cool. She's what you'd call a complete DIY artist. She does the vocals, the instrumentation, and the production all on her own. And these were called Cypress and... uh... The King. were requested to us by uh blame it on the pain she's 21 years old kai she's fresh-faced she experiments she's a free spirit and she studies music theory you know just so you know kate bush 
is one of her uh, great inspirations. I'm going to just say it right out. I think both The King and Cypress are perfectly serviceable music. I like Cypress a little better than The King, Mm-hmm. but uh i mean they kind of felt that about these eps also these are eps and a lot of the music feels like it drags for me a little bit yeah a little bit i would agree there are a couple of times you know sometimes when you're listening to an ep sometimes it's a long ep sometimes it's a short ep even if they're only 20 minutes some of them feel long some of them feel short and this one kind of was like eh. Coming away from listening to both EPs, I find myself genuinely impressed with the production of the music. I'd say I'm more enamored with the story behind it. And yes, I will admit it freely, the obvious talent on display than the music itself. I think Sarah Kinsley has talent to spare. That's clear. Overall, the music itself, it just doesn't speak to me i mean she's literally 21 years old who knows where the future is going to take her what's she going to be creating at 25 or 30 the world is her oyster if she keeps this up overall my impression of both albums is good yeah i think sarah kinsley is an incredible talent she just hasn't honed her craft yet when she gets there she's gonna burn it up i really think she's she's got a future i enjoyed listening to these but uh they were good they're not gonna be on heavy rotation or anything other than the the title track on cyprus that was probably my favorite of them all right sarah kinsley keep it up follow your dreams sarah kinsley i'm saying that's like she's gonna listen to it oh my god i got my rocky pep talk from some asshole on trapo chapel told me to follow my dreams so i think i should do it because the pedophile clown says so creepy clown told me to fucking keep making music so Trapple's not a pedophile maybe he is i don't fucking know I, I never met the dude i never met the dude either i did meet the dude at a comic con once i took a picture of him the dude and uh walter they were holding donnie's uh ashes in a in a coffee can well that's cool yeah we're moving on anyways we're, we're moving on to whatever's next kai next is an album that came out in july 2021 by an artist named yola and it is called stand for myself it was Produced by Dan Auerbach. He produces for the Black Keys. He also has songwriting credits on every song. And there are some pretty notable country songwriters who contributed, including uh, Natalie Hemby, who's written for uh, Toby Keith, Casey Musgraves, and Paul Overstreet, who's written for Randy Travis. Blake Shelton, of all people. So yeah, we've got some bona fides here. we got some country bona fides. Although here's the thing, man. Where's the country? Not a country album. (laughs) Apparently, her earlier work, almost pure country. And yet, for whatever reason, Stand For Myself decides to go for more of an R&B soul vibe. Yola, whose real name is Yolanda Cordy, was born in Bristol in the UK, but she lives in Nashville. Apparently, she plays Sister Rosetta Tharp in that Elvis movie that's out right now. I didn't know that. After I'd listened to this, Googled her, I was like, oh, wait, she's in the fucking Elvis movie? And this is going to be a minor recurring theme during our talk through this episode, but apparently Yola used the COVID lockdown 2020 as an excuse to buckle down and focus on this album, which was a follow-up to 2019's Walk Through Fire. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about Stand For Myself. 
Tell me why you wanted me to listen to this. Listen to the album once and... Some of the different songs go in different ways. They kind of fold different genres together. I don't know. This song, If I Had to Do It All Again, has been stuck in my head since like the minute I heard it. If I had to do it all again, I wouldn't want to do it, do it without you. If you had to be somebody's just threw the shit out there <laughs> a lot of the songs have very powerful meanings and well produced well made i like it we got to the song photograph mm-hmm. this is what i wrote i'd rather listen to photograph from nickelback right now something's gotta go right because i'm feeling way too damn bad look at this photograph that's what i wrote i don't know why it's pathetic <laughs> that's what i wrote <laughs> I'm so sorry. And when I wrote for whatever you want, guitar strumming and good old boys and buh, 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 who fucking cares? Yola needs to branch out and start using a fucking theremin. That's that's what I wrote. (laughs) Yeah, my uh, overall feelings with uh, Stand For Myself are it feels too pedestrian, very safe. It doesn't move my needle, Kai. I'll tell you one song that does is uh, Be My Friend. That's the one that gets to me. got a good country vibe to it brandy carlisle's on backing vocals in that song when she's singing to the heavens and it's very effective it's all about trying to make a connection it's a simple message well told i like it i like diamond studded shoes a lot don't you tell me it's gonna be all right we know it isn't we know it ain't gonna turn out right that's why we gotta fight that's a good lyric man yeah it's like a dance hall revolution we're gonna wear our nice shoes and we're gonna kick the shit out of some fascists that kind of thing fuck you but overall yola is an undeniable talent she's got a great voice but this music i tuned it out for the most part because it it just it bored me yeah when i revisited it some of it was like "Eh, this isn't as good as i remembered it maybe i was extra feeling it the day i was like you should check this out this just didn't work for me that's all i can't in good conscience call it garbage because it's well made and yola has a great voice but i can barely call it good yeah it's it's just good for me too and i think it was some of what you said where maybe the music could have gone deeper and we'll give it a good move on then we're gonna move on to 2022's the blue hour by Suzanne Shear. Oh, in the sunset, I can feel my heartbeat switching. It seems like I'm falling backward. I think of you and I touch myself, and I can't even look in the mirror after no. Let me go. Suzanne Shear, a Pittsburgh native who lives in Philadelphia, 29 years old, inspired by such luminaries as Amy Winehouse Adele. Radiohead, Radiohead, and Adele, sure. Mm-hmm. She just named her top three bands. She so. also said Daft not... Punk, which is fine. She has a sultry, powerful voice. The Blue Hour was requested to the podcast by none other than Joyful Noise. He did Juno Time too. Yeah, The Blue Hour by Suzanne Shear. Very 
solid R&B. Yeah. But once again, it's a 21st century album to be sure. For sure. I mean, obviously, you'd be remiss if we didn't mention the double meaning in sync while I swim or sink. I mean, I, I get it. We get it. I think we got it. It's got a dreamy kind of R&B melody. And it's melancholy, which means, yeah. you know how I feel about melancholy shit, Kyle. You know this. I wrote great production, melodic and melancholy. And down for you is, uh, that's down to fuck. Right that there. is just a sexy beat. I see You are the thing that haunts me. That lyric alone, that's Blue Ruin. And that song is not playing around. (laughs) The best part is it showcases her vocal range. It's impressive. Girls on the Internet is interesting. I like that it's about the male gaze. It's about jealousy and lust. And maybe it's a bit too obvious. The thing I like about Girls on the Internet is that it doesn't seem to disrespect women. It's more of a condemnation of this theoretical partner who's spending more time drooling over these girls on on his phone. Uh, Yeah. Some of the lyrics actually kind of imply that Suzanne Shear is being entranced by the same girls. She's into it too. I don't know. I couldn't get this one out of my head. It's It's definitely catchy. Girls on the internet Overall, I was really surprised how much I enjoyed the Blue Hour. Me too. The way it starts out, I'm like, uh, okay, not to trash talk Adele or anything like that, but like, okay, that's kind of where it's going, all right? It's going to be an album like that, and it is not an album like that. It goes in all sorts of weird-ass directions. It's not just a piano and guitar production. There's all sorts of weird sounds and the voice, like, gets all weird and deconstructy. That's what I really appreciated, is that she was not afraid to experiment with the synths and with the electronic with the overdubs she just goes for it and i really appreciated that she was not afraid to go weird she was not afraid to push herself and to really alienate a potential audience at times mm-hmm. was the way she presents some of this music it's an incredibly effective debut album it really is this is a very strong statement from a new artist i enjoyed the blue hour quite a bit now, so that question. begs the question. Good, great, or... We haven't hit any garbage yet today, and we're not going to on this one, that's for sure. Uh, it's good. It's very good. I don't necessarily need this in the canon. Twist my arm. I put girls on the internet in the canon because that shit's just catchy. Yeah. This is one of those albums that in the future we listen to five times and go, oh my God, this thing's well, a fucking masterpiece. I think more likely what will happen is we'll listen to her second album, which will just blow us the fuck away. This album was definitely verging on great. It had some great moments. It's fucking sexy and melodic. Doing 19 albums in one episode, I listened to so much other stuff in between here and there that I, I could not convincingly argue that it is great right now. Perfectly reasonable, Kai. We can put a pin in this and say The Blue Hour by Suzanne Shearer is very good we could wholeheartedly encourage our imaginary listeners to listen to the blue hour because it is well worth your time we changed our mind on caroline we'll change our minds again it's our podcast we'll do what we want and that means we're moving on what is next on the agenda kai the next album is king dude i'm going to have to do you need to preface this (laughs) here's the thing black rider on the storm from king dude and der bluthars and the infinite church of the leading hand now just to begin i listened to this album before I looked up anything 
about it. I'm not going to say anything about this album. King Dude is a musician from Seattle named TJ Cowgill. He tends to classify his work as dark Americana neo-folk, but he also used to be a death metal vocalist. And Der Boothersch is an Austrian martial industrial neo-folk and psychedelic rock project founded by Albin Julius in 1996. Albin Julius died in May of this year, shortly after the release of the album. Oh. Albin Julius has courted controversy throughout his career for frequent use of military themes and fascist aesthetics in his work, even performing with some well-known neo-fascist bands. Now, it begs the question, was he himself a neo-fascist, or was he just using the aesthetic in his work for shock value? He supported several bands on his music labels that dabbled in the neo-fascist aesthetic as well. A decent number of his band's later gigs were either protested or outright canceled due to these controversies. Based on just a little research, I mean, really, I did not have to look far. The man himself seems to have espoused some very, very heavy far right-wing views. I don't know how many people in the 21st century will dress like Nazis on stage, ironically. Albin had an interest in Nazi occultism. One of the most damning visual signs is that his band, Der Bluthars, used to use the Sigrun. You may recognize the Sigrun from the Nazis SS logo for years as the band's logo before switching to the Iron Cross, which is another German military sign used by the Nazis. All this and a lot of other suspect affiliations and statements really only point to one conclusion. Albin Julius was a neo-fascist. I don't know King Dude's politics. I don't know his personal beliefs, but the fact of the matter is he chose to collaborate with Albin on this record, and I won't make any judgments, but it doesn't look good to associate yourself with a modern Nazi. Black Rider on the Storm may or may not be a good album, may or may not be a great album, but I will never put it in the canon, and I'm not going to discuss it because fuck Albin Julius, fuck Der Blutharsch, and fuck the Infinite Church of the Leading Man. And I refuse to give any kind of platform to music that's created by people who support a fascist or authoritarian worldview. That's it. That's literally all I'm going to say about this. Well, we got that down. Up next is a little ditty from Time Warp. It's called Spiro World. Anyways, this was requested by The Singing Bone, and I gotta tell you, thank you. Fucking thank you. Time Warp is the uh, stage name for Kay Loggins. I'll I'll level with you. I kind of fell into the weeds when I read the flavor text for for Spiral World. (laughs) Is that what you texted me about? On the Bandcamp page? Yes. Because we can presume that Kay Loggins herself wrote that text. She may not have. It may have been somebody else. It may have been a third party. But there's something going on in that flavor text that I spent an inordinate amount of time trying to figure out. I could take these notes and put them on the blog because there are a lot of notes. That'd be a good little bonus for the blog. I will save it for the blog. And uh, this music kind of blew me away. You know, when I say I'm looking for something weird, I don't say that in a dismissive way. I mean that literally. I want something weird to thrill me. We are looking for some strange, different shit. This is it, basically. This is is This is it. I was going to say it's like the music to an entire video game, but it's like the entire video game. It's not the music to it. It is the entire video game. 
one standout for me because I'm trying to figure out what it means is the track No Furniture slash Tanagra. <laughs> My first reaction was, is this a reference to the Star Trek The Next Generation episode about the alien species that communicates in metaphor? Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. They communicated metaphors. The crew of the Enterprise is trying to figure out what the fuck they're talking about because they have no context for these metaphors the aliens are talking about. Now, did she name her song after that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation? No. Most likely she named the song after the city of Tanagra in Greece, which became well known for a series of terracotta statues they excavated from the area that date back to the 4th century BC. One of which you may have seen. It's the Lady in Blue. It's in the Louvre. I may have. Now, that's most likely the reference, but goddamn, in my heart of hearts, I'm hoping K. Loggins is in fact referencing Bry and Jerry at Lunga. Shaka. When the walls fell. The song itself, it's a beautiful kind of slow burn that takes me on a very leisurely journey. Maybe it's a slow drive through the countryside. Maybe you're just taking a walk. It took me on such a wonderful, relaxing journey. And that's how I feel about this whole album in general. And I think that's one of the ways I connected it to a video game was it starts out like at the beginning where you're stupid and you don't know anything and you kind of find your way. And by the end, it's satisfying. Like you beat it. You did it. It reminded me of the Nintendo 64 Pokemon photo game. A Pokemon Snap? There's no stakes. It's fun. The worst case scenario, you took a shitty picture of a cute animal. It's the most relaxed safari you can imagine. Leisurely river ride. And then it's just done. I'm going to listen to it like 400 more times. This shit is grand. I already highlighted great. We're, we're good. Daddy calls it great. I guess that's it. Uh, Time Warp's Spiro World has officially been inducted in the Trapo Essentials canon. It's in there. The aliens are gonna off on it. They're gonna that album forever in space. It's in the canon. Alright. Let's go from uh, that fantastic thing to another fantastic thing. Also from June 2022. It's a little album suggested to me by, I believe you, by a band called Rubber O and an album called Strange Craft. created by sam grant who is a guitarist of a hard rock and doom metal band called pigs 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 which has been shortened to pigs times seven he is also an engineer a producer and the owner of blank studio in newcastle during the COVID lockdown as a purely creative outlet the man decided to create this thing called strange craft he deliberately created it to be as far removed from his work with pigs times seven as possible because he wanted this project to be its own unique entity. This sounds nothing right. like like Pigs Times 7. Synthwave, funk, electropop, psychedelia, little craft mm-hmm. work. I think it's 
fascinating as an experiment. I've listened to it several times because the guitar is prominent, but the guitar is processed. It is transformed into a multitude of instruments within the context of the album. I think it's an interesting experiment. I, I enjoy it. I don't have much else to say about it. There's some tracks that I think are better than others. I think Humans is interesting because, I mean, just it's an outsider's perspective. It sounds like alien robots were dissecting human beings, trying to figure them out. Yeah, there's definitely some sort of like future robot music situation going on here. Yeah, Humans is great. Color Orbit is like a weird trip. Hyperdrive Fantasy is fantastic. It's like Electro Supergrass. Yeah, definitely. It's like an LSD trip. I like it. Uh, maybe I'm going to fuck a comet. I don't know. Maybe She's a got... comet's going to fuck me. But my favorite track is To Be the Mariner. It's like a spacey ocean voyage. There's some master and commander shit happening there. <laughs> like star trek some horatio hornblower and space shit going on boldly going where no one's gone before yeah i don't know i think it's great i I think most of the songs are pretty tight strange craft is a pretty solid uh synthesis of digital and analog i don't think it's entirely successful but i think the highs outnumber the lows i like it i think it's good maybe this can be the first one that we disagree with for the poll because i think people would like this album because i kind of had it on the edge if I'm going to give it a great, and you're going to give it a good verging on great at times, we need a tiebreaker. That means it's up for a vote. You people are going to be the ones who make the final choice here. Does Strange Craft from Mimoreau belong in the Trapo Essentials canon, dear listeners? That's up to you to decide. But until then, we're moving on to whatever the fuck is next. Free the robots with Kajua. <laughs> Robots is a project from an LA-based producer and DJ named Chris Alfaro. Now, Alfaro was visiting the Philippines, which is his ancestral homeland in 2020, and he ended up staying in the Philippines for a year. This is, again, one of those albums. The pandemic helped make it happen. During this time when uh, Alfaro was in the Philippines, Kajua was created during his stay with only very limited equipment he had at his disposal. I asked you to listen to this because I heard it. I found it on a whim. I gave it a listen. I thought it was very creative. I wanted another perspective on this. There is so much creativity involved in the creation of this music that I just wanted another person to hear it and tell me what they thought about it. There's so yeah. much going on here. All the it's... sample work, all the, the guest vocalists, it's exploding with creativity. Indeed. The, yeah, it starts right off with the sample about machine language. The machines are going to talk to each other in a machine language that we cannot understand. That's actually a uh, dialogue from a Commodore 64 instructional video when you turn the machine on it says 38,000 and change it's got a little bit of techno rock punk for robots it's not meant for us though i think it was meant for robots so uh, we get to listen to it and that's cool we get to enjoy it also but but really i don't think we're the target audience. i think it was for the robots like we're peeping toms or something we're hearing something we shouldn't be hearing yeah I think Spaceways is great. It's got these seductive lyrics performed by Lindsay Olsen. Are you familiar with Lindsay Olsen? Mm-mm. She actually records under the stage name Salami Rose Joe Lewis. She's cooing. 
in this song. It echoes and it sounds very cosmic. And it gives you this really cool vibe. It almost feels like commercial travel. Like you're almost stuck in traffic in space. It's very blue collar. And I'm there for it. I'm a big sure. fan of Spaceways. I think my favorite song was Codex featuring Mr. R. The end of the album is really good. Codex, Lucid, Drifter. We're going on a trip. We're blasting off. So, I mean, if you want to come along, strap the fuck in and get ready for liftoff because we're going somewhere. I think Cadu was the goods, man. Endlessly creative. It's got this kind of psychedelic mm-hmm. majesty to it. Free the Robots has apparently been a thing for over a decade. This motherfucker's been making crunchy beats for over a decade. We got a He's bunch got, of other stuff. Yeah, right. He's got a deep catalog to explore. Cadua is bursting with creativity. At times, it's almost frenetic. There's so much shit going on here. It's gorgeous. Just scrolling through the albums from Free the Robots, album artwork would have probably caught my eye on almost all of these. There's some weird, cool shit going on. It's definitely got a cool artistic vision. I don't know what's going on with this beat scene in LA, but they're doing some cool shit if Free the Robots is indicative. I guess the verdict for me, Cadua by Free the Robots, I think it's kind of great. It was so much fun to listen to. I think it might be great. I'll leave this up to you. I would say that the album is great, but I don't know that it should be in the canon. I get it. Officially great, but not in the canon, but you should check it out anyway. Maybe someone recommended on on the blog but you also had recommended to me before at some point and that is tom berlin i don't think anybody recommended that i think that was just no, me. was that just you i think that was just me because i heard it was like hey kai check this shit out it's nice the album you recommended was from april 2022 by tom berlin called i don't know who needs to hear this i don't know Her name is Sarah Beth Tomberlin. I heard their name Tomberlin. I'm like, that's a fake name. No, that's her real last name. Sarah Beth Tomberlin. Yeah. This is her second album after 2018's At Weddings. Now, I'm going to love it right off the bat. I think At Weddings is a better album. Oh. I'm just going to say it. The music is so gentle, almost timid at times. Gorgeous melodies. It, it was professionally produced, but it has that very homemade feeling, which is very appealing. Is it folk? Is it indie? What so What is it? Little of all of those things. You know, I think they used to call this good music, I think. I think that's what yeah, it was. Good music, good music. Kind of confessional. Something going on under the hood. Not a lot of moving parts, which is appealing. You it's don't not busy, com- that's no, for sure. You don't need complicated melodies. Unlike Free the Robots, quite a transition from that album. Constant busyness and noise, weird grooves to uh, chill guitar noise. Born Again Runner, you should have saved my tears for somebody else. Like, oh mm-hmm. man. The imagery and tap is pretty amazing also. Do you think about the trees and the breeze? How they swing and scream and talk and breathe? I wish I was so tall. Swing my branches, only sing for me. 
I don't know what you're doing. You're a witch and you're casting spells. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about I don't know yeah. who needs to hear this by Tom Bowen. Um, I think it's I'll level with you. I think it's very good. I don't think it's great. I think it's very good. I think her previous album at weddings is great. It just clicked for me more. It was uh more immediate for me. Yeah. I don't know who needs to hear this is very good. I think there's some great shit going on in this album. Yeah. Sarah Beth Tomberlin has the kind of voice that gets under my skin. I love Tomberlin's uh, strummy, distant kind of guitars and weird vocal acrobatics. I had put it as great, so we have two albums that are now up for the people. So yeah, we'll put it up for vote. It's fine. But I'm ready to move on. What's next? Tuna Bunny's Genius Fatigue. <laughs> I believe recommended to us by CJ, but I could not find it. So whoever recommended that to us, thank you. Formed in 2008 by vocalist Mary Jane Hassel and Bridget Adair Heron. Apparently the band is entirely self-taught. They have no formal training in instruments. No formal training whatsoever. What happened is Bridget's father, who was a musician, just gifted them a huge collection of instruments. They had all these instruments at their disposal. Figure this shit out. Let's do it. Without knowing how to play music. They started playing gigs around Athens just without even knowing what they were doing. But they decided that wasn't going to stop them. And it didn't. This is Genius Fatigue is their third album. Their first two albums, if you actually listen to them, you can tell listening to the music, it sounds like they're still figuring themselves out as a band. Genius Fatigue represents Tuna Bunny as a fully formed band. Just to say it. The name Tuna Bunny. The band was like fucking around. They were on a rural highway. They saw a sign. I have no idea why the fuck there would be a sign out there that, that was called Bunny Tuna. But they saw a sign that said Bunny Tuna. They thought it sounded funny. They switched it around so it would say Tuna Bunny. That was where the name came from. They just saw a sign somewhere that said Bunny Tuna. and thought it was funny. They said, fuck it, that's the name of the band. This is a direct quote. It's a better band name than Def Leppard or Ed Sheeran. They don't like Ed Sheeran. They're allowed. This is direct from Bandcamp. Tuna Bunny is the missing surname of Madonna, the forgotten first name of Morrissey, and the middle name that Sun Ra's parents forgot to give him. We're pretty certain the T and T-Rex stood for Tuna Bunny. <laughs> this shit makes me happy. Duchess for nothing is just noise. It's got a killer energy. Shades of uh, Bikini Kill and Veruca Salt. Serpents and Light is far out. There's this cool lyric. She ain't a parody of a woman. She's a screaming queen. Now, if that is not intended as an explicit pro-trans message... Ain't no fucking way. I could go on about this album for about an hour if I wanted to, because I got about an hour's worth of notes here. So instead, I'm just going to say it's great. It's fan-fucking-tastic. It makes me happy. By the way, periodically in this album, you'll hear cicadas. You'll hear insects like crickets. You'll hear chirping birds. One of the band members lives in a fucking treehouse, and that's where they recorded the vocals. And so the microphones just picked this stuff up. Just picked up some random birds and shit. And and that's great. What is genius? fatigue me with the title what does it mean starting with the title I don't know. Really, genius fatigue. What does it mean? I think it's a sense of disillusionment, the heroes you have. This is the Mount Rushmore of rock music. These cool bands that came before you. Look at the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. Let's make something new. That's what Tuna Bunny's doing. They're breaking the mold. If the old way feels tedious, forge a new fucking path. Break the mold, smash it to teeny tiny pieces. By the end of the album, I was in a full psychedelic feel. 
wrong kind of attention had like a early modest mouse kind of feel to it wandering around taking you somewhere it may not be good but it's taking oh, you somewhere no. fucking the last song government of throats oh, <laughs> fuck. just the title is fucking amazing wailing in that song this frustration that radiates like fucking gamma rays man it's wonderful love it i love it so much genius fatigue by tuna bunny is a masterpiece you know what i'm with you tuna bunny that shit's in the canon dear listener i recommend you listen to everything tuna bunny's done oh because, fuck, yeah their self-titled album is amazing uh, in 2020 tuna bunny made their entire catalog on Bandcamp. pay what you want which means it's technically free and they explicitly ask their fans to not pay for their music instead to donate their money to various activist groups that stand in solidarity with people who want a less violent police force and a more humane form of capitalism where people are more valued as human beings than cheap labor and to this day the music remains pay what you want this is a band that puts their money where their mouth is. They want you to try to change the world in some small way. Tuna Bunny kicks a thousand different kinds of ass. Check their shit out. It's fucking free. Check it out. There's no excuse. So you should. So what's next? We're going to an album that came out in September 2019, and that is by an artist named Kazu called Adult Baby. You don't know nothing about me. Kazumakino. She was born in 1969 in Kyoto, Japan. She moved to New York City in the early 1990s to study art, and she met uh, twin brothers Amadeo and Simon, and maybe Simone Pache at an Italian restaurant. I mean, they're both Italian. They're not Italian-American. They're Italian. They became pretty close friends. They formed a band called Blonde Redhead 1993. Blonde Redhead is uh, fucking phenomenal. Kazu recorded and released Adult Baby in 2019. Her primary collaborator on this album is legendary composer and producer Ryuchi Sakamoto. Kind of a brilliant man. I think he contributed to five of the songs in the album. And he was credited with piano field recordings and something called organic instruments. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> sounds I don't cool. know what that means. Yeah, but sounds awesome. Know. We also have a percussionist named Mar Rafosco. He's best known for working with David Byrne. He contributed to Salty and Coyote. What do you think of Adult Baby by Kazu? Because for me, it's kind of like a Bjork album in many respects from what I mean by that is, I think it's a masterpiece. Dirk is one of my favorite artists. I like a lot of Blonde Redhead. Kazu's adult baby, her solo debut after so fucking long, she finally made her own album. I think it outdoes anything she did with Blonde Redhead. It's cool, well-made. Each song has its own beautiful soundscape. Each song is deep and rich with weird, and sometimes it's just fairly normal, but sometimes it's like, I don't know, I can't even imagine what made that noise, and you can't, because it was like a dog bark slowed down a thousand times that goes raw. 
a prime example is the first track, Salty. It doesn't sound like a normal song. It never sounds like a normal song. But there's a certain point around the last 90 seconds when it just decides to go backwards. And it's yeah. a trippy nightmare. And wait, yeah. wait a minute, did that work? Holy shit, we did it. Right after that is Come Behind Me So Good. I love the title. So good. Exclamation so good. Point. <laughs> it's a melody made up of word salad. It's disorienting. And then this music comes along, this real this orchestral melody. <laughs> romantic it's gorgeous look this is another one of those albums i have like five pages of notes i could just go on about it but we have to kind of move forward let me hit my favorite songs and then you uh you wrap us up and you put the rest on the blog the title track adult baby weird fucking dreamy i don't necessarily know if it's a dream or a nightmare but i get a philip glass vibe from a lot of this music name and age is like a eerie 20s song that never existed kind of strange and haunting by the way place of birth the fact that she uses a Godzilla roar not once but twice in that track five stars and then at the end like undo pick undo undid my fucking brain there's some weird shit going on there too adult baby it was inspired by something called paraphilic infantilism the adult baby syndrome someone told her about adult baby clubs where all those rich men go to be treated like infants and it blew her away because she's like wait we're all like adult babies in a way right she went down this rabbit hole and made a fucking album out of it if you listen to the way she delivers the lyrics she doesn't sing like that in Blonde Redhead. She doesn't. No. This is a deliberate choice on Kazu's part, deliberately speaking in a childlike tone. Almost like her character is trying to learn what all the words she's speaking mean. She's an adult baby. Yeah. I love the way that she transforms her voice throughout the album. She doesn't give a shit about making sense with her lyrical content. She's just creating landscapes with the sounds she can make with her mouth. It's deliberately enigmatic. Perhaps considering the individual listener, it may be frustratingly enigmatic. For me, I just accepted the mystery and let it wash over me. I found tenderness and grace. I found a gentle madness in adult baby and a wonder and affection for the strange and unusual. I'm so pissed off that I didn't know about this thing before it was. I think someone recommended yeah, this. Someone recommended this. I couldn't to us find this on one the blog. Either. This came out in 2019. I didn't know it existed because yeah. this shit would, would have yeah, been. I could have been listening to this for years. Yeah. Hey, but you know what? Then we wouldn't be talking about it right now because you would have told me about it years ago. It's it's great. I don't know. I put it as good. I think this is kind of in a similar place where we diverge with things like Jupiter's Purse. Sometimes I like the noise and sometimes I don't. Not all of the songs really landed for me, so I had it listed as good. So I guess we need a tiebreaker. We'll put it up for vote. Up next is an album that came out recently. I think it was June 2022 by a band called Dead, D-E-H-D. It's an album called Blue Skies. Because you know it only takes a minute Yeah, start off this was a random amazon recommendation for me so i recommended it to you i'll love it with you 
I didn't like it. No. The whole thing came across to me very calculated. Are you familiar with the Silver Sun pickups with, the, with that oh, yeah. band? This sounds like that to me. And like I, someone I, trying to do a version of that. What this is to me, boring white people road trip music. Yeah, it was uh, It was like a stoner daydream. Not necessarily a good trip, just like a, huh? This is the shit they play at Starbucks and you're waiting for your coffee. Yeah, I thought it was mildly interesting. This means nothing to me this music right well i'm sure there are people who like this stuff people could love it that's perfectly fine i just don't this does not work yeah. for me. if you heard one of these songs in line at starbucks <laughs> I, I wouldn't shazam <laughs> you pro- it you, you probably know? wouldn't even shazam it this was so inoffensive it got almost no reaction from me i referred to the band i referred to them as a trio of gap mannequins and birkenstocks <laughs> There's definitely some khaki shorts and Birkenstocks involved. Look, if we're going to have to give a rating to this, my rating is garbage. It has no redeeming value for me. I put it just barely good because I like two of the songs, but even then, I wouldn't even recommend listening to the whole album. Uh, thanks for trying, Dad. Keep it up. Or not. Well, it's my pick next. So we're going to do Fashion Club from 2022. Hot off the press, it's Fashion Club's Scrutiny. <laughs> Club is the name for Pascal Stevenson's solo project. Pascal Stevenson is the bassist for the band Moaning. She began exploring the foundation of what became her solo debut during a 2018 European tour with her band, and she ended up composing very rough instrumental versions of many of the songs that are featured on the album on her laptop touring across Europe. This is Pascal Stevenson's first time stepping out into the spotlight as a solo artist. Basically, she's had to reimagine herself in many different ways as she's transitioned from this more anonymous role she's played as just a member of a band but beyond that this is her transitioning into a woman she's becoming a woman she recorded the album before she'd gone public as a trans woman in many ways the creation of scrutiny is her coming out the themes that keep coming back in the music that she's recorded are in fact deeply related to her own identity as a trans woman and she came to terms with herself as a human being that's very much on display in the actual album itself if you listen to the lyrical content and i think overall it's, it's a pretty powerful statement it starts out with pantomime when you hear that that aggressive kind of synth melody it kind of reminds you of goblin rock outfit that did a lot of really awesome soundtracks for some Dario argento movies but you have these lyrics Shit's 
getting it done. This is the first song Pascal wrote for the album. That opening line, how deeply your morality sways when confronted by your day-to-day. It's a social performance. The faces that we wear in public, they mask something darker. It's damning. Pascal's a black trans woman. She sees this all too well. Often people present themselves as allies of marginalized groups in public circles, but privately, they don't do a fucking thing to back up the rhetoric. Then they refuse to reckon with their own problematic behavior. And that's the whole foundation of the album. There's no glamour. There's no artifice. You can't hide behind a mask anymore. It's like a punch in the fucking gut. I didn't know any of this before I listened to this album. I found it because I've heard music from Moaning before. You can look at it as Pascal trying to come to terms with her own feelings, being around people she knows, she trusts, while she's keeping this secret from them because she's not ready to reveal herself. Inwardly, she's terrified of what the people around her may think. When they learn the truth, what will they think of her? I think it's wonderful. The story is on full display in the content of Scrutiny. There's a wonderful story being told here, and it's it's real, it's raw, it's immediate. This shit hit me on a different level. I'm glad you felt that way. I did not. I tried to listen to this album three times and I did not get through it at all. Not intriguing at all to me. It's not really my jam. Well, I think it's great. I want it in the canon, so we're going to put it up for a vote. <sighs> what if I say it's garbage? We're putting it up for a vote. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> this is going up for a vote. Uh, okay. Scrutiny from Fashion Club was my favorite thing I listened to. It was barely below dead. I love it. I want all of you motherfuckers to vote for it. I will yeah. fucking lobby for votes. I don't give a shit. You're going to call Max Power? I'll call fucking CJ. I'll call the Singing Bone. I will the Singing Bone if he wants to vote for this fucking <laughs> album. All right. The next album we're going to do is a request and a local favorite, if you will. The request is from, uh, I believe, new commenter SmapD, who we had talked about was a fucking john stewart daily show joke but uh the album we're gonna talk about is from it's kairos creature club fuck it whatever join the club came out in october 21 requested by SmapD. one of the lead songs off this was called kevlar I'd heard that before. You and I had talked briefly about this a long time ago. Because at this point, they don't have a lot of music available, do they? I think they only have I, two I th- albums. No, I think it's just this. Or is it this? Is just this? Oh, maybe all the singles are from... Oh, yeah, Voodoo well, Success uh, is from this. Yeah. Yeah. Kairos yeah. Creature Club is actually kind of a low-key supergroup. They're members of several different bands, like La Luz, Boy Toy, The Mother Gooses. This is kind of a supergroup. They've all got their own things going on, and they came together to make Kairos Creature Club club i don't know it's kind of what would you describe it rock it's got psychedelia it's got shoegaze in there dream pop but it goes in a bunch of different kind of directions yeah it's got a lot going on for it there's a kind of a b-52s vibe every now and then becky it's got kind of a mamas and the papas thing going on which i like
I don't know mm-hmm. where that came from. Voodoo Success kind of struts like a fucking runway model. It's yeah, very appealing. Voodoo, I love Voodoo Success. Yeah. The whole album is like a chill road trip rock album. Join the Club is a lot of fun. There was nothing that was groundbreaking or earth shattering for me, but I listened to it every time it came up. I'm like, okay, it's fucking cool. You can go for a walk or go for a drive and listen to the whole album. I don't know. There's seven songs. It's 28 minutes long. Is that an yeah. EP? I don't fucking care. But either way, it's not a great time commitment. It's a lot of fun. You'll mm-hmm. enjoy yourself. Is it canon-worthy? Uh, no. Their next album could be. Oh, fuck yeah. If they put uh, other projects aside and we're like, hey, you know, I think we should really bear down and make a badass album like this. I'll be there listening. Okay, up next, a little album from Katie Alice Greer called Barbarism. It's been a lot of talk about what happens when we sleep On the job like the night watch In a heist movie We let a man didn't win 2022 june 2022 katie Alice greer is the former lead singer of a band called priests they're kind of a post-punk band formed in 2017 but they're done they released like two albums i think i only listened to one album it's called the seduction of kansas that was released in 2019 they're done after that barbarism is greer's first solo album she's released three eps under not her full name but under her initials k-a-g she just didn't want her full name out there she found that she was garnering a lot of attention from the wrong sorts of people on social media mostly trump Mm. supporters she didn't get it why are these trump supporters talking about my shit k-a-g also stood for keep america great Mm. she cut so that that's sh- why she got the hashtag she cut that shit out right away and decided for her album she's using her full name alice greer would have been cool no one would have ever known who the fuck she was right know? if you're halfway out like that with your you were going under your initials fuck you might as well just do it but uh this is definitely some weird shit she moved to la from the east coast right before the pandemic began she was used to performing live like that was her life at this point she would find herself trapped in an apartment in lockdown she found the whole experience incredible incredibly isolating but it also served to inspire katie alice greer to make new music something that would be completely hers the cool thing about barbarism it's all her everything you hear in this album was made by katie alice greer she wrote it she performed it she produced it she mixed it it's her album all these musical compositions are hers alone honestly i think it's kind of amazing it opens up with uh, that song fits slash my love can't be you get that whole vibe of the surveillance state is a spectator sport it's obvious yeah the surveillance i wrote i wrote that down the surveillance state is a spectator sport yeah. that's your job is to sit there and stare at shit on a computer yeah. this has become a sport for you there's a lot going on in this album flag wave parts one and two there's this evolution that goes through both parts it never stays the same but it's always recognizable from beginning to end You can 
tell it's one melody that's evolved into something else. And this is where it gets me. No Man, which is probably my favorite song, Katie Alice Greer's voice is being used as an instrument. You hear these processed vocals. They say no man is an island. But I'm no and it's inhuman. She's changed her voice to the point where it sounds like a chorus. Almost like insects. It's so fucking weird. You hear something in the background. These lyrics. Distorted to the point where you almost can't understand it. Then you hear this voice say, I know my bones. I'm entitled to something. This is what drove me nuts. Because I knew what it was. I heard these lyrics say, nah girl, now you're free. It's from a performance of a poem called Porn. From Dorothy Alasky. I've read a lot of Dorothy Alasky's poetry. And I was like, this is from Porn. And it fucking hit me. It has this great thematic resonance that makes a lot of sense in terms of the song, No Man. And I'm not going to get into it here. There's a lot of shit that's going to be on the blog that isn't here. There's so much that you can dive into with the track No Man and with barbarism in general in terms of Dorothy Alasky's work. There's so much going on under the hood of this work. It astonished me. Katie Alice Greer came in with a purpose making this album. I'm just going to end it by saying that there's a famous quote from a philosopher named Friedrich Engels who said, bourgeois society stands at the crossroads. Either transition to socialism or regression into barbarism. Now, Greer took the title from the album from this quote, and that alone is a pretty damning condemnation of where our society seems to be heading. Katie Alice Greer personally seems to be a much more optimistic person than the record suggests, at least now. I think, honestly, she's exercised some of her own personal demons in the process of making this album. And this album, Barbarism, is unabashedly weird. It's not trying to be mainstream. It's not trying to appeal to fucking anybody. This is something she had to make to keep herself same. I think it's amazing. I've heard some of her shit with priests. I think it's really good. It's a completely different animal. What she's doing with barbarism is personal. I think it's great. I think it's canon worthy. Well, I was on the fence with this one. And then I listened to it for a second time and I, I added a slash great question mark behind the good. What I did write down for this was futuristic Android noise slash music AI made for androids or future people that it thought they would want to hear. <laughs> This is some weird shit. I don't know if it's so fucking amazing or stupid or great. I kind of think I'm going to go with great. I was very skeptical. I was like, oh, this is one of those uh, one of those albums Dustin will like, and I'll be like, meh. We're not completely simpatico when it comes to music. We're not. No. We have some overlap. We have some serious overlap, but I gravitate towards weirder shit, and it's not always because it's better. It's just because I'm a fucking weirdo. I like weirder noise. It doesn't necessarily mean the music is better. Right. It just means absolutely. you like it better. Yeah, That's okay. But I think in this case, it sounds like we're closer aligned. Yeah, and, th- and that's the other thing i couldn't tell you why i like this more than like fashion club i I honestly couldn't tell you why i put one way up here and one like meh like i i don't know does barbarism by katie alice greer belong in the trapo essentials canon you know what put it in the canon barbarism is in the canon up next is a little a little band that you recommended all i wrote down is that just mustard is from ireland where the leprechauns come from those are my notes album is titled heart under Came out in May 22. This was an album I found based upon the, as often happens with me being a very visual person, the album cover 
Oh, that's weird. And I clicked on the first song. I gotta tell you, it shattered my fucking soul. I don't know why. Folks from uh, that island over there, they made an album, and according to their band cap, an album that asks you to forget what you know. At every turn, this record reconfigures and stretches the ideas and ambition of a rock band and turns a year of lockdown and personal struggles into a breathtaking artistic statement. Again, is oddly become a theme, started during lockdown. That's about as far as I was able to dig into their stuff there. Irish and... This is their second album. The first song, 23, just shattered my fucking brain. The second song still drags me into the wave of whatever this album is. Somewhere between, fuck, I don't know, slow motion, nine inch nails, radio head tool, sort of slow blown out rock music. But it's also not. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Well, I did not love this album. I don't even know if I like this album. I loved Blue Chalk. It sounded like a siren singing you to your doom in a sewer. made me happy it made me so happy almost everything else on this album reminded me of like a tribute band we loved that 90s industrial sound so much that we'll just try to do that and it all sounded the same to me i know i know i know kai by the time it was over i wanted it to be over i i don't want to be an asshole don't say it when i get bored with something that tends to lead to frustration. The only thing that kept me listening to this entire album was the fact that Blue Chalk was in the middle of it. I was waiting for something else to hit that kind of high. Nothing did. And by the time it was over, I was glad for it to be over. I was really upset with myself that I didn't connect with this music. I really don't understand why. It just didn't work for me. You're allowed to be wrong. I'm also allowed to be right. Shit happens, Kai. Blue Chalk great i mean fucking five stars all the way blue chalk blew me away this just didn't work for me well we'll put it up to a vote for the people you say Heart great under. obviously yeah, i did i right. say garbage uh, I, well, I, you know what i can't no say no 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 i can't not say garbage that. fashion club can go in the fucking garbage too. i can't say garbage no you know what you said garbage for fashion club so fuck you i'm not gonna say garbage for just mustard because blue chalk because is, you, a, is a five star blue chalk song. is pretty badass blue chalk is a five star song it is what it is this as leads us to a deep and dark place where we always end up and that name is tirza <laughs> this is not a new thing this no. is a remix album this is not new music from tirza she hasn't done that yet high grade from tirza a remix album she reached out to a bunch of djs and interesting people and said hey remix my jams and they oh, did maybe she heard us go you know it's it's okay but it could be better she couldn't yeah. make it better so she reached out to other people <laughs> make it better. the bones of color grade are are obviously all through this for the most part the guest artists that reimagined her work i think they did a better job with those bones than tirza did in fact two 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 the send me rework it's mm-hmm. a five-star song sloppy wild and raw it shouldn't work and it feels like a complete fucking mess 
I love it. I fucking love it. Featuring fucking great. Still house plants. I love it. Yeah. it. The way it just goes into the end with that bluesy guitar and that simple drum melody and her vocals are just coasting over everything. It sounds like a lounge mm-hmm. act. So yeah, guess what? Here's the high grade. It's good. You know what? I wrote goodish, better than color grade. Oh, it's like yeah. color grade, but better. <laughs> it's like color grade, but better. Hive Mind featuring the Speaker's Corner Quartet. That rework just kind of blew my mind. That's the first oh. song. It's like an instrumental of a song that didn't really have instruments on. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain in words what that means right off the bat i was like oh well this is already better than color gray from the beginning the first song we really said hey tears they keep it up in that episode now we're like you know keep making music and giving it to other people to make yeah yeah i I don't want to i want tears to make something else that's what i want i want to see what she does next i'm kind of curious to see whether i may enjoy color grade more if i revisit it at this point i maybe i may want to revisit color grade there was a time where that was not an option but now it might be a little more of an option yeah i'm i'm into the idea tears High grade, pretty yeah. good. Honestly, there are more highs than lows with high grade. It's like color grade, but good. It's like we finally got there. We, we got what we wanted out of color grade. We made it good. Now All if Tears can make some other shit. So yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's the conclusion of our epic journey into the uh, the wilds of the new music that all you kids are listening to. We didn't agree on most of it, I think. But, you know, hey, we took a trip and we had fun and we're done. All that's left, ladies and gentlemen. Look, there's some polls that are going to be up on the fucking blog and you better vote because if you want this shit in the canon or want it to stay out of the canon (laughs) it's up to you because there are yes or no votes whatever speak from your heart and uh, listen to the music form your own opinions there's a whole bunch of shit that's going to be hitting the blog you need to vote otherwise that shit's not going to make it into the canon it's over it's done we're finished all that's left to say is we want you to join the conversation dear listener go to the official trapo blog it's traposhow.blogspot.com t-r-a-p-p-o-show.blogspot.com tell us what you think about the show tell us where the bodies are buried we want to know tell us where you want to be buried do you want to be buried on like a hilltop overlooking another graveyard like a large your graveyard i don't give a shit tell us what you want us to talk about in future episodes of the show because most of this shit was actually suggested by you we take your suggestions seriously we also have an email address i don't know if i don't know if you know the only one who knows about it is charitable because they're the only ones who send us (laughs) emails but we actually have an email and it's traposhow at gmail.com t-r-a-p-p-o-s-h-o w at gmail.com and uh it's time to get the fuck off the internet trapo the show that talks about stuff on purpose is a fenderman incorporated production